Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. everybody and welcome in to the penny bloom podcast it is i colton robertson and i am joined by joseph george what's up homie oh what up what up always a pleasure to be here oh and it is always a pleasure to have you today we continue our director's spotlight wes anderson is under that light and i believe this is our sixth movie covered Uh, we're we're moving on to the Mm -hmm. grand budapest hotel this was released on March 28, 2014. It is uh, based on the writings of Stefan Zwig. And uh, it's uh, got a story by Hugo Guinness and a screenplay and story by Wes Anderson. So an actual book this time, but the... Vaguely. Oh, vaguely. Because, okay. uh, I mean, even in the movie, it's a story within a story within... You know, it's like... Yeah. I was trying to figure that all out, like, who was the... You know, the statue, you know, it's like, I don't know, maybe that's kind of part of the storytelling is is just like you go somewhere, you hear a story from someone and it'll change your life forever, you know, sort mm. of thing. And uh, it was really cool to see like all the layers and the different time periods of, you yeah. know, like the, I don't know, even the the aspect ratio like changed, like yeah. depending on like how old it was. The time which was really period, cool. yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know, I love the. How it's always through some medium of something, um, and this one just it seemed to have like a lot of different different ones throughout the whole time. No, one hundred percent, and that's uh that's the the story within the story within the story mm-hmm. element is mostly how Zvig influenced uh, this this story. You know, okay. he. Uh, it, I, I watched the commentary last night, and uh, or the first half of it fell asleep about halfway through. Didn't get a chance to pick it back up before we started here. But uh, learned a lot through that first half of the commentary, and I certainly will be, mm. uh, certainly will be going over it again. That one was much more informative about the movie they were discussing than, say, the Moonrise Kingdom one. One was a bit all over mm. the place. In fact, there was a point in it where Wes Anderson accidentally started talking about Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, <laughs> okay. So you can tell he was uh, he had something on his mind. He was a bit more excited about something than he was other things. But. Uh, yeah, he, he said he stumbled upon a uh, a novel by Zvig called Beware of Pity, and he began to pour through all of his books, and it's he's basically channeling that work into uh, uh-huh. into the script. And uh, okay, yeah, that's this one was was really. I mean, I guess you know, last for Moonrise Kingdom, you said he wasn't really even on, or was it Moonrise Kingdom? No, no it's Fantastic, or, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fox. Yeah, wasn't really on set a whole lot, and. And, you know, I still didn't even feel that at all whatsoever. But this no, right. Well, like- and this is uh, this was otherworldly. I watched the behind the scenes and uh, some of the featurettes that they had on the Blu-ray DVD just because I was like, I this one's just astonishing. You know, the way that more so than any other ones, there's some like surprising digital effects in Moonrise Kingdom where they like I didn't realize they were digital effects until Wes Anderson on the commentary was like, yeah, that's that's not real. Um 
and the stuff that looks fake, like the treehouse way up in the sky, mm-hmm. that is real. They built that. That's not one of the digital effects. Um, yeah, no yeah. idea why. Wait how. a minute. Wait a minute. Like the skinny ass pole, like I'd have digitally. Like- but the, uh, the tree house from the tree. Real. The tree okay, house is real though. They I did see. build it up extremely high and like that's that's it's all in frame. What what they show there, that's a shot that they Damn. they took. Um okay. but there's like a bunch of like stuff on a table whenever he walks by uh, one of the kids and he's like, How's that lanyard coming, buddy? And he's like, Not good. And he shows like a big old jumble. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of rubber bands in front of him. Apparently those rubber bands weren't there, like just random little tidbits like that. Oh. Um, just, and that's apparently how Wes goes about it. And the visual effects supervisor and stuff was on this behind the scenes featurette. And he's like, you know, we talk about how Wes balances like miniatures and practical work with this digital stuff and then stop motion animation and all this kind of blends. And this is kind of like the pinnacle of that. Mm. There is so much of that all over this movie. Um, and he talked about how when it comes to Wes's storytelling, people like to like pin something to it like it's like oh well he prefers using miniatures because it's like it 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 calls to a time that he misses in cinema like oh they miss that he misses the practical elements he's like Mm -hmm. no that's not the he's like that's not the case if there's something he wants done he will do whatever it takes to make it happen and if that's digitally it'll happen digitally if it's if it's practical he'll he'll make it practical i'm wondering what like uh because i didn't really note if there's some stuff that that was kind of noticeable that it was like obviously probably not in camera like probably mm-hmm. like the cool cars or like the super um what like um, i don't know the cable cars were miniatures yeah the miniatures looked really good and like i yeah. I, I like i don't know but they I, also I, had I, that like storybook fantastical feel where like you could kind of tell they were miniatures yeah. but it didn't take away from it mm-hmm. uh, the craft of this one this is the live action equivalent to fantastic mr fox for me as far as being like Oh my God, the way you manage to do this, the way it looks and the way everything plays out is kind of astonishing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, like they, they gutted a hotel, not a hotel, but a big ass building. That's a real hotel, like the floors all the way up. Oh, you see okay. it. Like that's in camera. I There's guess no I didn't digital even think effects about there. that. Wow. Yeah. Like it's just, it's stuff that like once you do get it pointed out to you, you're like, wow, I guess I would have thought otherwise. Like I didn't realize you were just filming in a big ass building. They like mm-hmm. scouted Europe for a bunch of abandoned hotels and castles and all this sort of mm-hmm. stuff to kind of call to the feel he was trying to create. And they found something, they used it and they, they ran with it. Um, His use of color and lighting though. I like, this was the, I guess I, I've heard that he has a specific color palette and, and stuff like that before. And even in Moonrise Kingdom, whenever you're like, yeah, the, the greens and the yellows and then the pink, you like, I didn't really notice that on first watch. Cause I guess I was just more into the story. Yeah. Um, but this this time, I really noticed it. You know, I mean, sometimes it was very in front of your face. Like, it was like, all right, we're going to dim the lights down or, like, change some lights in the background to make Very it, theatrical. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I love that. And, like, the color palette was very kind of obvious in this one, how it was, you know, all the, the purple. Like, I just love purple, oh, and I love the how purple, their outfits are all pink. purple. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it just slowly gets more and more gray and dull as, as you know, the, as the double Z. Rises. Yeah, what, what's the, uh, I, the zigzag or something like that? Is that what they're called in the, or? Like, I can't I, remember I, what they were called. I yeah, just, it's uh, like the two Z's or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, this is just obviously just 
fascist, you know. They whatever. literally have the SS in the middle of it just with extra attachments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and and I, I don't know, having Adrian Brody and, and Willem Dafoe as, as just some, some evil fascists, you know. I didn't didn't I didn't know that fascists were involved in this movie whatsoever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, Adrian Brody and, and Willem Dafoe. Let's see if Willem Dafoe takes the cake for, you know, the performance again this, you know, this, mm. this time. Who knows? Who knows who he plays? He just, I guess he always plays just a menace, you know. He's, He's just, a menace to society, man. He, like, got the goblin, the rat, and then I don't know what, what's his character name in here? Oh, it's, uh... uh... Uh, Jording. Wow, this stack is so cast that he okay. Jop Jopling. 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 Wow, I don't remember that. I don't know if they if they really said him by name. Any, I don't know. I think it, it was, was just... written on screen at mm. some point, and uh, I, I was watching it with subtitles. So every once in a while, I would mm. be like Jopling, and I so see. like I, I did know that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, Willem Dafoe is really good in this in that tiny supporting role he's in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where he's still pretty prominent. He's got plenty of screen time in this one, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and I really liked him, although he will not be getting my... No, he yeah. won't be getting anything this week. Uh, love the guy, though, and he did wonderful in that role as Joffling. Whenever, uh, he's actually a part of my favorite scene, so I'll get to that later. But uh, there's a uh, a few great, just small performances. Like you said, Adrian Brody playing mm-hmm. the, the the son who wanted the inheritance but didn't end up getting it. Uh, and therein, he's going to do everything he can to make it happen. And that's what's interesting is that I'm like, the political leanings is so fascinating because that's just kind of like a extra layer. Like, they're not even really... Mm. He does a lot of the shitty stuff in this movie, and you're like, oh, that's the bad guy. And then at the end, they're like, oh, he's a Nazi. Uh, it's not yeah. really like, that's that's his political leanings, you know? It's not like it's... And that's what's so fascinating about the politics of this fantasy realm. He's not doing all the evil shit because he's a Nazi. He's a Nazi because he's evil. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it wasn't and that's, until, like, you saw him win the full uniform with the, mm-hmm. you know, the arm patch or whatever. They're like, oh, okay, so yeah, for sure. Uh, I knew he, you know, was bad. And, like, yeah, he was just not a not a nice guy. You know? Exactly. Um, you know, from the just, I don't know, they're... It's insane just how many big people are in here. It's I don't know. It's kind of like like Moonrise Kingdom where, but even I like this is far and away the most expansive cast he yeah. he hosts. Like it's yeah. the French Dispatch gives it a run for its money. That's a very broad cast, but but still, I mean, one. it's kind of similar to Moonrise Kingdom in the sense that the stacked cast. But I truly only cared about the two main characters of this mm, movie. Yeah. you know, Zero and Gustave, and like that's. That's all I really, you know, cared about. But whenever that big name actor or whoever shows up, I'm like, oh wow, like this is just incredible. Like it's just incredible the whole time through. But, but I mean, I I absolutely love the just Zero and and Gustav or Mister Maustafa. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't realize Mustafa. that that was that was uh, Kanshu. Uh, yeah, yeah, F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, he's actually uh, a uh, he's a fantastic actor, dude. Yeah. He's actually one a best actor oscar for his work way uh, decades ago um he was in he's been in a couple comedies that i really like uh namely mythic quest apple tv plus original uh he plays the this writer who's coming up with the stories for the video game company and he go he always goes really grand and big and grandiose and they're like all right dumb it down a little bit and he's like all right and then he just like kind of does it uh There's uh he's in the most recent season of White Lotus on HBO. Mm. Um, 
where he plays a Sicilian who's coming back coming back home to visit the homeland. Okay. Uh, Man, yeah, he's, I know he did really well. Like, I mean, it was just, you know, you check in with him every now and then. Uh, he's not really, have has a whole lot of screen time, but whenever he was on there, like, especially whenever, like, he just starts to cry, you know, and at first I yeah. didn't, um, it's, and that might be one of my favorite shots. Uh, it's, it's whenever there's sitting at the table and he's telling, forgot, uh, see, he's just called the writer, young, young writer. Oh, okay. Wow. That's yeah. yeah. Jude law. Um, but they're just sitting having dinner and speaking of villains in the MCU, Jude law, he's captain Marvel's villain, young rock. That's right. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The connections are crazy here, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it's whenever he gets – I don't know what the moment is. It might be um, whenever Agatha is about – you know, whenever maybe he's about to bring it back, and then he's like, I don't talk – or I don't talk about that or something. And then the lights behind him just kind of di- – or like, I don't know, the lights dim, but then there's some lights on the wall that light up, and it's just super theatrical. And and uh, I don't know. I just really love how he uses lights in color like as oh, an actual storytelling brilliant. technique. Yeah, it's – it's incredible. I, I'm still. That's the only one I'm kind of up for debate on his shot, and because uh, mm. there were so many beautiful shots that, like, even like the the when it closed in, like, circ, you know, just like uh, yeah. the spotlight yeah. um, on Willem Dafoe. Like sometimes, you know, it happens actually many, you know, a couple that's times. That's part of my favorite scene. So I'll go ahead and get to that then. Okay. The uh, the uh, will reading. Like when they show up to the mansion and he like, you know, he visits with Tilda Swinton's body for a second and it's like, uh, oh, she changed the color. Good, good. You know, he's so happy to see she she painted the nails a new color. The one that mm-hmm. had originally made him sickly or whatever. She just um, throws her arm, like throws her hand yep. back. Like, it All right. like OK, yeah. All right, I'll come back. I'll come back. Once they enter the room, there's there's so many things in this scene that make it so fucking good. Uh, first off. Jeff Goldblum, when he enters the room is really when the scene starts to pick up, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, all the while it's just uh, Monsieur Gustave and uh, Zero kind of, I think, F. Murray Abraham's narrating. And he's like, and it turns out the guy who who was also, you know, the executor for the hotel or like the lawyer for the hotel. Oh, he's the fucking executor of this woman's will. So. Mm-hmm. He enters the room and he just spouts a bunch of legalese mumbo jumbo. Mm-hmm. But somehow he manages to build tension, which is, you know, part of that's direction. But Jeff Goldblum had to do some heavy lifting there, you know, like uh, the way yeah. he kind of just kind of kept going up and up and up and up with it. Uh, when he reads the note and he's like, it'll be left to M. Gustave. Mm. And uh, he's like, I'm afraid that's me, darling. Uh, <laughs> oh. Man, can we just yeah, Ralph Phineas is that or fin fin? How do you fascinating pronunciation that you would never fin- ever guess? And Fiends. it's not it's Fines, but oh, the first okay. name is the one that's bizarre. Wait, uh, you'd think it's just Ralph. Um, it's Rafe. Rafe, Rafe mm-hmm. Fiends, Rafe Fines, or Fines, Rafe Fines. But oh my God, was he just? And I, until I was watching that commentary, I had no fucking clue. Wes Anderson goes, yeah, Rafe, he's a, he's a wonderful guy. And Rafe finds, and I was like, are they talking about Ralph Fiennes? You know, like uh, that's a, cause I watched him in the menu recently and all sorts of stuff. He's been a great, great actor for a while. I feel like I knew him from Kingsman. 
And I was okay. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. I was trying to piece it, and that that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Kingsman. He's a he's a very very good actor. And uh, yeah, whenever Wes said like, yeah, Ray Fiennes, he's a he's a fantastic actor. You know, he was so good in this role, and there was it was written for him. Also, it was written for Ray Fiennes. There was nobody else they'd even considered, and that makes there sense. was nobody else I can imagine uh, playing this role. He is easily the performance for this one. Um, yeah, I love that whenever Jeff Goldblum says an name, like, who the fuck is M. Gustav? And, you know, like, or Adrian, you know, like, I'm afraid that's me, darling. He's like, yeah, this, oh, he just, uh, absolutely you fucking, he yeah. throws out the F slur and, uh, th- th- all this convolution ends up t- telling him, he's like, you must have, you must have fucked her or something. He's like, I thought I was gay. And he's like, you are, but you're bi. Yeah. Uh, that, that whole thing, <laughs> fucking hilarious, you know, uh, and it culminating in the the sequential punches mm-hmm. where Adrian Brody punches I find uh, out on her alive or dead I swear and he's like well I bet you fucked her too and he's like well yeah I slept with all the women I like yeah. <laughs> boom, boom this I the back and I forth I sleep with all my friends I think is what he says which is hilarious uh he punches him he pu- uh, zero punches Adrian Brody and then Willem Dafoe with the brass knuckles punches zero and you're uh and he turns around and he pops his knuckles and just like everything about that scene was so electric and kind of encompassed what this movie is until the end and you're like oh wow this was actually really sad and I didn't even really realize it until we got to the end here and it's zero You, you get to the end and you're reminded oh my god we're in the 60s fascism is at its is is reigning basically fascism ran it down and now it's in the soviet era sort of graying uh vibe and he's he's holding on to a dying hotel because of the people he loved once you know and you're like oh my god so easy choices and there's like in an insane cast rafian ray finds as m gustav is the performance and both tony revelori and F. Murray Abraham as uh, Zero Mustafa get the character. I think this is it's pretty clear on this one, kind of like Moonrise Kingdom. We're like, yep, it's Sam and Susie for character and performance, no doubt. This one, after I was done, I'm like, yeah, there's there's really no doubt about this one. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm going going the same way with you because I mean, I the I love Gustav and I think his character is awesome. He's a freaking just baller. Um, but Zero just has. I don't know the story. That's that's what the stories. Oh yeah, he's telling oh, yeah. the story, and we're hearing. You know, like I love how it just jumps back and forth between we're seeing how the things are played out, and then we're back at the dinner, and he's telling a little bit more, and it jumps to something else, or like mm. I don't know. I just love the how it's so dynamic and the well, and just the just the layers upon layers upon layers. The fact that we start this movie with a girl holding the Grand Budapest Hotel book, mm-hmm. walking up to the grave of the author who is now dead, who left a will and testament or some sort of video talking about the, the life of a writer and how they think a creative is always working. And, but uh, that's not the case. You know, we don't just come up with these brilliant ideas. The brilliant ideas come to us. They literally present themselves to us. And as long as we keep our eye open, we can tell a story about anything. And that's what the whole fucking movie is. You know, it's him being like, that's perfect. I was trying to find something like I was thinking of like a deeper message for the movie and like how it's why there's a story within a story and why it's being told this way. And I think it's like I've never 
like Wes always gets me to think about like so many things after I watch the movie. One, how mm. how it was made, why it was made, and then I think of like my own like my own life, and then like actual history, and like mm. it's like it's nuts what this movie like can do, and it, it's crazy to me that some people are like. I don't know. His style is just too distracting for me. It, it takes me out of the movie, and I, I just can't. I can't do it. And that's fair, you know. If some people, it's whatever. It's how some people view it. But like, I think yeah, it only enhances it. You know, it's like sure everything's symmetric. Sure everything isn't natural. As like it, you know. I some people are like, I don't want to know that the cameraman is there. You know, I just want to experience whatever that's the characters. So, are I mean, like to each their own. That's so boring. Yeah, but like that's the thing. When you're reading a book, you know you're reading a book, you, right? And and you get lost in the world. And so, if it's a really good book, you're like, oh my god, I was reading for two hours. That I didn't even know I'm sitting in my room right now. I was reading a book, you know. Like <laughs> that's if it's a really good book, you you're fully in the world. In a movie, it's just another medium of art, you know. It's like exactly. you know you're watching a movie, and that's what's so incredible about it is that his style is distracting if you focus on it. But if you lose yourself in the story and in the movie, it's it's just beauty. It's like it's mm. not even like a distraction at all anymore. It's more of like no, it's just part of it. Yeah, and that's uh, what matters. And like, oh, it's well, so there's so many moments in this movie where it's just that, like I'm marveling at like, you know, someone made this, you know, and there there are things in the movie that I didn't even think to myself, wow, someone made this. And then in the behind the scenes, they're like, so how we figured this out. And I'm like, Oh my God, you figured that out. It was just so obvious to me that I was just like, of course you did that. You know what I'm saying? One of them, the fucking Mendel's pastry box, mm -hmm. the way they open it and it all just falls. Uh -huh. That's not how a normal pastry box works. You know, they don't just make those. They had to, True. They had to make that. And that's, that's, they spent a whole period of time talking about how they researched 1910s, 20s, 30s, and 40s pastry boxes because they wanted to find the perfect one that f like would fall open sort of. And they had like this ribbon system. And yeah, like, it was, like so satisfying when, when Agatha closed one up and tied it and it was just like, she didn't, she just pulled the two ropes. She and, just like, pulled the ropes. Yep. Like, oh. And it all fell together. Yeah. That, that's practical. They had to do that. Like that's a, uh, yeah. And that's something that you don't even think about why you're watching it because it just feels so right you know like even when you are watching something and going wow this style is really prominent even then there are still things there's there's part of the behind the scenes where there's one scene where zero like runs back and forth across the street uh, across the screen attending the things whenever they're talking about the responsibilities of a, of a lobby boy and stuff and he's like running mm -hmm. back and forth and back and forth and behind the scenes, they're showing Wes Anderson walk up to every single person in the background and like perfectly positioning them exactly where he wants them to be, yeah, like limbs that. and everything, like the way they're setting their arms and like every single person that's there, he's doing it to real life stop motion. Yes. But in yeah, like real life. Wow. <laughs> Practically. But, yeah. Uh, Practical. Well, I guess. Yeah. Just full rolling camera but like that's insane i didn't know he was that meticulous no yeah and that's uh it makes sense i mean like he he has a vision you know and it, it's it's clear like mm -hmm. that it's this is him like now if he just put out a movie and i didn't know it was directed by him and i was just shown a movie by him i feel like i could be like yeah okay, oh yeah this is my guy you know like this well, is and he's he's evolved greatly you know this movie is the purpose for what people think 
of Wes Anderson style. You okay. know, even thinking to yeah, the Darjeeling cool. Limited and shit, Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom was on its way to being this aesthetic, but it was far from this aesthetic. You know, like mm. it's still not the same thing. Mm-hmm. The Wes Anderson trend that's going on and every AI video that's getting made, it's based off of the visuals of the Grand Budapest Hotel, you know, yeah, that's and funny. the French Dispatch later on. But yeah, all like, the those are the vibes. That's the the color palette. That's the I don't know all the mm-hmm. all the stuff I've seen generated is it seems it's very heavily inspired by this movie. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and while we were on the pastry boxes, that was that was one of my other maybe favorite shots was whenever they they fell from you know they were both hanging and the oh yeah hanging there and they both fa- they fall into the the little car cart thing that you know mm. the pastry cart and they're just in there with all those boxes around them and it's just pink and you know you just see the both of them look at each other um, yeah it's beautiful i think I, I might i might lock that one in that one that one's pretty good that, in, unless i think of some other one but i mean dude there's this one's again a treasure trove of just brilliant visuals like even ones that are i mean like this was prominent but even so like i wouldn't go it's the most beautiful one in the movie because i love looking at these bright colors the pinks and the Mm -hmm. purples and the reds and everything those shades um but whenever they get to like the observatory before they go up in the the cars where it shows the whole observatory miniature which is a, mm-hmm. a miniature and then it zooms in on the bridge and there's zero and gustav you know like that shot was beautiful and it's just it's just a transition shot you know it's just like this is where we are now check this out and proceed was the was the hotel a miniature like i guess maybe yes, not like outside the, the yeah oh man how like that's incredible. Like someone mm-hmm. actually had to make that thing. And like, it looks so re- like just with perspective, you know, you don't like if you weren't told, you could still probably like tell if you really think about it. But like, it's I don't know. That That's the thing is that uh, a lot of these effects aren't really like, oh, that's obviously an effect. It's like mm-hmm. it's just how he wanted the movie to be made, you know, how what needed to happen for the scene to to push forth. And I, I mean, he's it's incredible just how I'm laughing and I'm just like absorbing all these personalities from all these characters. And I'm like, I don't know where this is going. Something's going to happen though. Something always happens in these movies you know, <laughs> that gets me. And, and then it just, I mean, this one, I feel like it's more of like at the end, like it's it all the at end the end the and it's yeah. just like, bam. And it makes you think of the whole movie again. Um, Cause I can't really like, I'd say I teared up a little bit. Um, whenever Gustav broke out of prison, Zero's right there at the the sewer, you know, to get mm. him out. And, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of mad. He's like, you didn't bring whatever. You didn't even bring, you know, our, our, my, a drink from, I've been in, pr- or my perfume. Yeah, that's right. He's like, yeah. I said, no, dude. And, uh, but then he's, he's like, why, why did you, you know, I, I don't know what to expect from someone who comes from such a, a shitty country, blah, blah, blah. And then what even brought you here? Why'd you ever yeah, even come here? Like the war. Um, I, my whole family was executed by shooting, you know, firing squad and the lucky ones had to flee the country and then immediately like, seeing, so you're more of a refugee then. Yeah. And Truly. then, he, and then he's like, Oh damn. He's like, well, oh. then I take back everything I just said. I am so sorry. You know, like, a. And uh, I mean, I'm even idiot. selfish, bumbling idiots, you know, like uh, just I and that's uh, I was so close. If I if 
I'm I'm kind of surprised you're going zero off your first watch because if it was fresh off my first watch, I have little to no doubt I'm going Gustav for my favorite really? character. Huh. Um, I mean, I th- I think perform like performance just because he was funny. He did every like he had so many lines. Oh yeah, that's clear to me. He almost got the character as well, but I think it was it might not have been until the end that I was like, okay, now it has to be zero. Like, oh, yeah. I already, I really liked him. Like even in the train, whenever he was first showing his papers and then, you know, they both got their nose, you know, nose, you their nose bleeds quite a lot. You know, they get their nose hit quite a Dickhead lot. Talk mocked fascist assholes. And, and like, just already like, exp- you know, he's been through that. Like, it's just, he's, he's had just, so I don't know. Gustav just has his papers, no problem. And then it's like, yeah, but you know, these are fine. This is a, a work whatever blah 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 it's work all visa, essentially and then he's like if you if you arrest him i swear to god i will have you I, you know and he um mm-hmm. so like i really liked gustav at first but it was like it was for the defense of zero and seeing zero grow and like yeah. and seeing what he learned from him and then like whenever he started speaking poetry you know and like he, yeah. he started doing it himself i'm like oh my god like uh, this- I, w- I need to stop you there because the alarms are going off but i'm going to need you to finish that later that was outstanding let's go oh, uh, and and i wonder if there is a deeper meaning to the ignoring the poetry like even when they're you know he gives his like after day speech or whatever they're all yeah. about to eat and then right when he starts poetry everyone just starts to eat and they're like all right whatever it's over now um uh- yeah, there's a combination of things there, you know, because like, I, I do think there could be something there. I also tend to take it as um, they just know he can go for a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. And by the time it's time to eat, your food will be cold. Y'all, y'all better. Y'all better just start eating before he finishes the poem. Okay. Um, I, I took it to, to be more about Gustav as a character than it was everyone else not listening to it. Um, because even the, the final line by, uh, zero where he kind of calls back to it and he's like, uh, you know, even, I don't think his world even existed by the time he got to it, essentially, you know, like, uh, he was, you know, it, I I don't view this as a, a, a connection to his world because his world was long gone by the time he even entered it, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like that's just such a fire, like, to sit with your staff every night and read them a poem after an entire sermon. That's a, that's it, it, his yeah. days long past, you know, people yeah. don't do that much. Yeah. And his, his little sermons, like he actually had some good, like just random advice that he would just say, you know, like it might be, I think it's my line is it's, I think it might be the first one that they have uh, the first get together. Um, and he says, rudeness is merely the expression of fear. People fear they won't get what they want. Most dreadful and unattractive personally need to be loved and they'll open up like a flower. And I'm like, mm. oh my God, like that was poetry, you know, yeah, but, and, right. then, and then he actually started going. Poetry on. doesn't have to rhyme, you know, it just has to be creative. And, and yeah. And like in poetry in this and like, I don't know, it's, it's so amazing to see like just little connections. And even if they aren't connections, you know, mm. between movies, it's just, I don't know. A nice little callback but but i what i was thinking of the ignoring the poetry was um sort of like a maybe like and i could be going way too far but like whenever it becomes poetry people are like oh well i don't i don't really like poetry i don't really care about this it doesn't really matter but mm. the words that are being said are like more elegant and more like um 
meaningful than a sermon that he just gave, you know, and it's, I think it's, it's maybe a play on like people that hate his style and like his art style and like that it's taking away from the movie. Um, and they think that the, this poetry is taking away from their eating time and take, you know, or, or whatever. And yes, their food would get cold, so they do have to eat. But like, I think it's maybe just more of like a, a real world, um, people just tend to ignore art, um, and maybe not see like the real meaning in it or something like that. Um, I don't know. I was just, it was just very interesting that every time a poem would come up, you know, it was very comedic and it very got caught, it got cut off um, or something. Yeah. But yeah. And, uh, I just, I really like how he, he always just has some, some problem in the world that he wants to talk about, you know, and like that is part of the story. Um, but makes it just feel so natural and so like cohesive. Like it doesn't actually feel that that like, oh, this is why he made this movie so that I could know that that fascists are bad and blah blah blah. It's like no, I'm I'm. It's just it just so happens that that comes out of the movie. Um, but I'm just more focused on just like the story unraveling right in front of me. You know, like I'm. It's just I'm so engrossed in the movie that I'm I'm thinking of where the movie's going to go and then thinking of just real life at this it's i don't know it's it's a crazy jumble of what's going on in my brain whenever i'm watching a west movie and mm-hmm. i'm very very interested whenever i get like on the second watches of all of these movies how i feel um because this you know moonrise kingdom will definitely become way more of a comfort movie um just after not having to worry about about a lot but like this one it's like it might be even more sad on the second watch, you know, like, it or is. not necessarily like just like it, things are going to hit me that didn't hit me before. Exactly. Um, no. And that's, I'm 100% with you because this was my second watch of this movie. And it was originally my first viewing of a Wes Anderson movie. I started with the grand Budapest hotel. It was the one I'd heard the most about throughout my days. And I was like, let's go mm-hmm. ahead and check this out. And I adored it. I loved it. It was very instantly like a top, 20 favorite movie of all time, you know, and then I watched all the other West movies and like, I didn't make it around. I didn't make it back around until we've covered half of them. And I watched all of them more than once, except for this one, you know? So I was like, Hmm, I'm interested to see if it was just my introduction. And I was so excited about it that I was like, fuck yeah, I'll throw it. Nah, it's, it's there, bro. Especially after my second viewing, because I did remember it stuck with me so hard the first time that everything I was supposed to get out of this, I got, Mm. you know, there's a, we talked about the moment a little bit ago where the lights go down and they come back up and he's like, uh, my, my acquaintance, the one I was speaking to got real grim all of a sudden. And I realized he was crying. And when he looks up, he's like, I'm sorry. I just don't like talking about Agatha. And I'm like, Oh God. Oh God. No, not again. Uh, All I got from that was like, okay, so something bad happens to that, you know, like, or, or like they split up. I didn't, by the end of the movie, you forget. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I was, I was just like, okay, so something, something bad happened, you know, to her or maybe between them. Mm. Uh, but I, I wasn't thinking like, yeah, she, she died she two years later. It's like, oh dude. Like, yeah, that, that ending, whenever they just lay it on you, they're like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, Agatha with her child too, you know, like with, like with a baby too, you know? And it's like, oh, like, come just made zero story. All the more devastating, man. He's lost a child and he's holding on to this relic because it's it's what he wants you know it's what he wants to do bro that that shit destroys me um 
And then they lay on that Gustav, you know, the, they have In the end, they shot him. Yeah, they have another train, you know, thing where it's like, all right, documents, please. More, even more fascist, fascists show up. You know, they're they're in black now, um, and they're yeah. they're like full on. And I don't know, he says something about like, oh, I just don't like the black. It's not doing it for me. Um, but you know, they have that scene again, and I'm like, ah, yes, he's defending, you know, defending him again, doing what he's doing. And then like, I'm kind of like, you know, like, oh, I hear the news of Agatha, and then I'm like, okay, now now back to like a nice moment. And then oh yeah, no, what they do with them? Oh, they shot him, and I was like. Oh, Oh, fuck. I'm like, dude, come on. I'm like, I thought it was like, I thought I was already done with all the bad stuff, you know, and then they're just, they lay it on me again. But, um, no, this, I can't wait to watch this one again. Like, and, and have all of those and, and see when he, yeah, he breaks for the first time and talking about her. Like, I, I don't, like, ah, uh, I just, man, I really, there's a, there's another line that gets me every time because earlier in the movie, whenever after the fascists, stop them the first time and ed norton's like uh oh shit he's henkels or whatever the fuck henkels he's he's like monsieur gustav and he's like of course the resemblance is uncanny you're you're little whatever the fuck and he's like i am i am you know let him go it's it's fine you're gonna have to get him his papers and everything but everything's gonna be okay and they walk away he goes you see there are still faint glimmers of civilization left in this barbaric slaughterhouse that was once known as humanity Indeed, that's what we provide in our own modest, humble, insignificant. Oh, fuck it. And he takes a drink. He's like, he's like, I can't even say that about these fascist assholes, you know? And then at the end of the movie, whenever he's talking to, uh, he's talking to the writer and he looks back on Monsieur Gustave and he goes, there are still faint glimmers of civilization left in this barbaric slaughterhouse that was once known as humanity. He was one of them. What more is there to say? I was like, <laughs> dude uh uh yeah no it's i didn't know i cared about monster gustav like that i knew i thought he was cool i knew it, it, it it's like it's fascinating because it it kind of goes to show the weight he held for zero more than he's supposed to hold for the audience at this point you know, you you are supposed to go. Oh yeah, this dude's this is this is a cool fucking guy. I think I think you're supposed to be like this dude's dope mm-hmm. as fuck. He's, oh, yeah. he's got all these connections. He's in the society of this the the second crossed key or whatever keys. the fuck. Yeah, they're yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah the crossed keys. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. But uh, I was like, what the f- this this dude's dope. And then uh, by the end of it, whenever Zero's like, yeah, yeah, he he died. You know, that's that's real fucking sad. Um, and you're like, oh man, yeah, he had to have died. I mean, you're like. 60 now he was every bit of 20 years older than you you know like that's yeah i i don't know a f murray abraham like at like he like almost got the like if if it wasn't for just the sheer time that gustav was on screen and just killing it the whole time like i don't know i think i think like his like when he breaks down and like just his his scene like even whenever he's in like they're in those warm bathtubs or like i don't know what that room is you know he's like hey i'm i'm interested i i know your work and i like it very much you know um if you are truly interested and you must tell me if you are just being kind uh would you care to have dinner with me this evening so genuine so like i don't know so i want to meet like i want to meet this guy and he's not even right you know it's like i don't know i want to i want to go to this hotel Uh, and just Everything about the different eras, like coming to the 60s and you got Monsieur John as the role that Gustave was in one day. Mm-hmm. And he's like uh, the concierge or whatever the fuck. And he's like, he's like, you know, he's a good boy and he means well, but 
they just don't make them like they used to. You know, this isn't uh, this isn't what was once the standard. You know, he's on his shit. He does the thing, but he's not. You know, he's just sitting back there when the writer shows up. He's just mm-hmm. sitting in front of Boy with Apple, also, which is a crazy connection. Whenever you get to the end of the movie, and just then uh, leave it for the common people. You know, like like mm-hmm. uh. Just share it with everyone, almost, is what it is. Still off-limits somewhat, but, like, right there, it was crooked, you know, not really paid attention to a whole mm-hmm. lot or whatever. And Again, a relic of a different time, you know? Like, it's just as the hotel is, Boy With Apple is. Nobody's coming from far and wide. Like, because whenever they announce, Monsieur Gustave will get Boy With Apple, uh, everyone in the room goes, <gasps> What? Boy With Apple? No. Oh, my. You know, it's uh, it's it's this thing. It's this mm. giant fucking thing, and then Monster John is can't even be bothered to look at it later or, in the movie yeah, or earlier like, in the movie. Yeah, straighten it out. Or I guess it was probably not crooked. Maybe back then it was like at the very uh, end. He's after I telling the story. It probably was. I can't remember, but like yeah. uh, that—that's the thing. And then when he straightens it out, and then he gives him the key that says Monsieur Gustave Suite. I was like, oh no, oh man. Yeah, this and was fucking the, good, dude. Was the, the second lobby boy supposed to just look exactly like that? You know, like he looked exactly like the boy in the painting. The second lobby boy that, like, oh yeah, hero was like, "Hey, I know you don't give that kind of information. You're a stone like, Thanks, but don't do that shit." Yeah, um, that boy, like, I don't know. I think it, it to me it was like, oh, maybe like he's he's gonna be the next, you know, whatever, and and maybe I don't know, like, uh, oh wait, no, I guess. No, because that was back, yeah, whenever he was still young. So did that, I guess, yeah, I guess we didn't know what happened to that little boy. Maybe maybe that is. Monster John. Um, yeah, maybe, who knows. Um, but, I don't know, it was just it was just really interesting. Like, interesting to me that, like, Gustave was like, yeah, the, the painting reminded me of her. Like, the, does, does it, isn't the resemblance uncanny, and he does the pose. Um, mm. And then when that, when that boy comes up, I'm like, oh, well, that's like, the spitting image of of the painting right well, there. Well, the the kid uh, in the painting is a real kid who had to pose for it and stuff. So it, there's a distinct possibility that it is the kid. <laughs> oh. This is yeah, like this is a fictional yeah. famous painting that, that they did true. that this someone did true. paint for yeah. this movie. Not like this is um, the Mona Lisa, or like an actual known painting. It's just some yeah boy with apple, but held to the esteem of like the Mona Lisa. You know, it's like um. I don't know. It's obviously been in that house for quite some time. That the you know the stains around it, and it was all super clean behind it. Mm. Um, and the replacement painting, you know, how do they not notice that it was gone? You know, like how do you, like I guess that speaks care? to that. You like know, they you actually treat... just don't care. They care yeah. about the monetary value behind yeah. it, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Not, okay. Okay. Because um, I mean, it, it was a funny scene whenever he sees. It, he's like, "What the? What's the meaning of?" And then his sister just, "Oh, like everyone speaking over each other will always be funny to me." <laughs> uh, I'd never. I didn't know he'd taken anything. Wait, is it gone? Wait, what am I looking at? Who's doing this? What are yeah. we talking about? Like, uh, this, they always did that. Like after Willem Dafoe throws. Jeff Goldblum's cat out the window. Like, did he throw my cat out the window? And they're like, oh, did he? I don't I think don't so. Know. I didn't see anything. I don't know. Did he? <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah, it's like every character that is in his movies, like, no matter how small and how insignificant, they all have their such, like, such unique personality to them. Mm. Um, and I think that's why his movies just do so well. It's that it's, 
it's just the comedy, you know, part of it that, that gets you to just listen to them and like actually be focused and like you're, you're wanting to hear the jokes and have a good time, whatever. But, but in the background of your mind, you're, you're learning everything to know about these characters through these jokes and everything, you know, like they have a purpose to them. It's not, not just, uh, to make the movie funny. Um, Hmm. and it's, I don't know, everything has a very specific reason, it seems. Um, and now that you tell me that he's like actually moving people and moving their arm in a specific way, like, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to know, or I, I, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse to have the mind of like Wes Anderson, you know, like, <laughs> um, it, I think in my mind, I would, I would love to, to have like a day where I could just think like him and, and see what his creative process is like. Like right. how he, before the shot is taken, you know, how he's like, okay, yeah, no, I need this, 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 or like what he, you know, what he does to go about that. Oh, it is, it is really fascinating. They were, they were talking about it in that visual effects, like breakdown where, you know, when you're shooting a Wes Anderson movie, it's not like other movie sets where they're like, shoot it from every possible angle and we'll edit it later. It's very specific. You know, it's like, yeah. this is where I want the camera. Let's figure it out. Let's not just shoot it and edit it later. Like that's, that's, this is what I want. Uh, so there are shots where in a certain take, they like, uh, Ray Fines and a certain take, they like Tony Revolori. So they digitally splice those two, those two shots together. Cause it's the exact same angle. And that's one of those random digital <laughs> effects that you're that's like, awesome. Oh shit. Didn't even fucking notice, you know, like, uh, the okay. scene where, Oh, I can't remember what it's right. I think it's right after they break out. Um, and they're like, or maybe right after they stole boy with apple, regardless, he, uh, he tells him like, I'm going to give you everything, you know, they're in the bunk beds. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, uh, I don't have much to my name at the moment. Uh, but I promised you in this moment that I will give you, I will leave everything I have to you. And then there's like this sadness with F Murray Abraham where he goes like, I never did ask him about his family. You know, he's like, uh, the 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 fact that he had no one to leave it yeah. to besides me oh, i never i never yeah. asked him anything like that uh but like the way it like zooms in on gustav in that moment he's just like he's kind of sad you know there's like a sadness to him where yeah. i don't know it's 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 a bizarre character that i on rewatches becomes more and more enriching and it's uh you know he doesn't seem one dimensional by any means but he has a very specific outlook and personality and is he's kind of always on it's not one dimensional he's just always he's always rolling he is monsieur gustave you know like even that's in prison even yeah. in prison he's on you know he's wheeling around the carts is slop or mush for breakfast suit, suit yourself boys You're missing out you know and and you with the with the giant scar on your face you know and like you think he's yeah. about to get up and get the crap beat out of him and it's like no enjoy and and then you know it comes back around to get the snitch out of the way whenever they're busting yep. out. He's like, "You're such a sweet, nice man," you know. Like yeah. whenever they're breaking out, like whenever they're in the uh, the cell and he's brought them the Mendels and they're like, uh, "You know, we've been talking. We think you're a straight fellow." And he's like, "Well, that's something I've never been accused of." Yeah, um, <laughs> that one before. Man. I was like, "Damn, man, I love this guy." They're uh, chopping through all the food to make like the bread to make sure it doesn't have anything inside it. The sausage to make sure, and then they get to the pastries that are shaped obviously like tools. And they're like, ah, yeah, this is gonna go that's wrong. Probably fine. Yeah. Nothing can fit in there. Um, no, man, I uh, I loved this shit. It was so good, uh, and like the little connections where like uh, 
uh, Gustav really, really approves of Agatha, you know, like, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't need his approval, but like the fact that he got the Gustav seal of approval is like all the more reason it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, well then she, she gets it as Gustav puts it. He's like, uh, you know, I like, I like her, you know, she's, she's a good one. You need to hold on to her and Swarcy Ronan. Don't flirt with her. Yeah, don't flirt with her. Uh, and he just kind of smiles and he's like, ah, yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, can't really turn that one off. Sorry. He's like, uh, promise me that I'll do, I'll get to do the ceremony. Like, I'll get to marry you mm-hmm. and stuff, which was, again, that shot very close to being my shot Ooh, as well. Them all standing out there with the, uh, the other concierges. Uh, uh, you got, uh, Bill Murray and always old one day. And like, there's all sorts of, uh, great, great, uh, Mm. company there uh yeah Warris alawalia and uh fisher stevens and wallace wolodarski and bob balaban who was the narrator in moonrise kingdom was one of the mm. concierges uh vikram from life aquatic was one of them and uh, wallace wolodarski actually voiced uh kylie and fantastic mr fox oh that's so cool you just really of, all the same people huh yeah, just he all, all in the family um I mean, because, man, if I was on a Wes Anderson project, I would do anything to get back on. You know, like, I think, I feel like the actors, like, it's, I don't know, maybe it's just a job to them for some of them, maybe. But, like, I feel like they want to be a part of something he makes, you know? Like, if you see how it's made and you're a part of it, I, I don't, I feel like I'd be hooked. There's know? something really, really fascinating about the behind-the-scenes footage for this movie. Like, the little documentary, I guess. It's more of a featurette, like, because it's so little confessional outtakes. It's literally just random footage that they took on set every once in a while, mm-hmm. just That's kind of cool. spliced together. And, uh, someone always smiling. It's always West working. It's always really meticulous, but there is one with F Murray Abraham. where he's sitting in a chair and he's like, uh, it's fresh off of a direction that West gave. That was just like super specific. Like it was so like, He's asking a lot of his actor. He wants, he wants to see what he can do. And F. Murray Abraham's up for the task. You know, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And, uh, it's the shot where he is crying. There, there's originally they were going to have him cry like that, have him wipe it away, cut away and cut back very fast. And he would be crying again. Like, uh, yeah, to turn it on, turn it off, turn it on is that's not, that's not easy. But F. Murray Abraham was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And then they, uh, they didn't, they apparently they didn't get it because that's not in the movie, but, uh, in his confessional, F. Murray Abraham's like, uh, he's just kind of like sitting there with a big smile on his face. And he's like, everybody wants to work on a Wes Anderson movie. You That's know, all. Yeah, there's, I'm there's cool. a reason everybody wants to work on a Wes Anderson movie. Like I'm, there's an environment that that's been created here that I, he, he creates a family in the weeks that we shoot. And that's total like, opposite from like Kubrick, you know, it's yeah. like, I like, you know, some of his movies and I think, you know, it, he has some good ones, but like it just, oh, there's always that background sting of like, he's just all, I, you don't hear anything nice about, you know, Kubrick, but I don't, I don't like, I really would be shocked if I heard like, yeah, Wes was just an absolute dick, you know, yeah, right. like, I'd be like, no way. Like, there's just no way this dude is like that. Like, I don't know there's. Um, oh, that's the thing. You know, we talked in the very, I think it was the very first episode of this project on Royal Tenenbaums where might've been early or later, but I feel like it was that early where we were talking about how when it comes to artists, obviously we can't know them, mm. but 
through these movies, it makes me feel like I basically do know Wes Anderson. No, and it's weird um, to say, but like, I want to, I just, I want to hang out with him, but then I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I would already kind of know what he would be like. What we were um, getting into. Yeah, it's like, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm really, I've never heard him speak. I guess I've never. Well, I, I did watch one interview. I guess that was a little bit ago. He's got a pretty. Um, he's got a pretty normal voice. Um, yeah. just he, just a normal guy. Um, just yeah. with very specific tastes, you know. And that's what like everyone who they do go to and they talk about it. They're like, yeah, man. I mean, uh, during the commentary, Jeff Goldblum talks about how he did a line in the movie, and Wes was like, uh, "Why'd you change this word?" And he's like, uh, "I don't know. It just felt more natural to me." He said, "Don't do that." <laughs> that's awesome he said, he said like, don't do that I'm the director uh, and, here. Um, yeah <laughs> Jeff Goldblum like giggled a little bit and he was like it didn't it didn't stop me you know I knew how you wanted your shit done I knew what I how I had to approach you and there's uh there's a point later on in the movie where he says something uh ostensibly he says the word ostensibly and he's like that's that's the addition I made that I approached Wes before I did the take like that and said, hey, I think there should be the word ostensibly here. And he gave him like a little presentation as to why ostensibly should be there. And Wes was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, he's like, like yeah, all right, cool. Uh, you can do that. And so like, that's, that's like, if you're on a Wes Anderson movie, you're going to do shit the way Wes wants you to do it. You know, like that's, that's the goal here. Uh, mm. He's got a vision and you're going to execute it, you know? And uh and everybody always talks about how he only gets people who he feels are up for the task and people there's like a um, pride in that, like even getting cast in a Wes Anderson movie yeah. carries the idea that he thinks you're capable of doing the weird shit he asks you, you to honor. do. Yeah. That, uh -huh. I mean, that would, if I got the call, I'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm on my way. Like, and thank I'll, you. I'll figure thank it out for you, homie. Thank you. It's not like, it doesn't seem that this is, a job you know like no one's having like a bad time while oh, dude and it's just it just melts my brain to watch behind the scenes footage because there's just like because it's literally a camera showing what the camera is doing in the shots during the movie and you're like oh my god they're just I have to watch that it's it's rafe it's rafe fines and tony revelori walking down the hallway at the beginning whenever he's like talking to him like uh all right, and you do this, and you do this, and he's like, uh, do you have any uh, educational history? He's like, oh, I did this, 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 he's like, zero, and he, he keeps going, you know, and, uh, but behind the scenes, there's just a, a dolly camera in front of them on a cart, just, and they're just walking towards it the whole fucking time, looking at each other and talking like it's fucking nothing, and I'm like, oh my god, even that, like, that's not a, for an actor, actors listening are probably like, well, that's, that's just the job. And I'm like, I know, but that's impressive. You know, like even, even little shit like that. Yeah. It's like, that doesn't cross my mind whatsoever. Like whenever, like the most of like the making of the movie that crossed my mind is probably like fantastic. Mr. Fox is just like, I'm like, Oh my God, how are they just doing this? Because it's, it's all like that. But this movie, there were some times where I, I, I don't know. I was kind of like, Oh, that looks really nice. But it was never like, never, um, how they had to set the camera. I never like thought that deep into mm. it, but now that like, I don't know, you're bringing it up. Like I, that's, I have to like watch that direct. Well, and that's, that's the thing is that like, I know that's, 
that's not like, whoa, Wes Anderson, a genius. There's a camera rolling in front of two actors. No, that's a very extremely normal thing for any movie or show or anything. You know, like that's a that is just part of the job that they do. And that's that's already absurd to me, like as an act as actors more so than the on the production side of it. Like it's mm. just. Yeah, like the capability, there's the shots uh whenever they're in like the confessional booth at the at the monk's place where they are they cut back and forth mm-hmm. and they're looking directly at the camera you know like that is and gustav is talking the whole time to serge x and in the background tony revolori like doesn't blink and just stares at the camera the entire mm-hmm. fucking time it just just piercing through the fucking camera and i'm like it's so it's it's so simple it's not like he had to do a lot but it's just like what an interesting specific yeah Yeah. like the kubrick stare is what this is kind of known as is like whenever a camera whenever a character just kind of like stares at the camera Mm -hmm. you know jack nicholson does Mm -hmm. it in the shining whenever he's just staring out the window and clockwork orange gets it all the time um 2001 a space odyssey when he like rounds the corner and he's just yeah, I'm looking at all, like, I'm just looking at, like, pictures through IMDb, and, like, there's even one where Zero's, like, getting ready in his room, and it's, like, it's him, you think it's him looking in the mirror, but he's just looking right into a camera. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah, that doesn't even, yeah, that doesn't, doesn't even, even compute. Yeah. You know, like, that's, that's, that's what's so awesome about movie productions, man, is that everyone there just, re- it requires so much talent, and uh, that's something that this movie had in abundance, was just so much creative talent, and, uh, Man, I, I I fucking adored it. You know, there's uh, there's so many lines and so many shots that uh, resonate with me on a deep level. But on rewatch, you know, first watch, I didn't even really. I thought it was a pretty shot, but I, I didn't get the significance of it. My favorite shot of the movie is when Zero is looking at Agatha and the lights are twirling behind her and the the lighting on her face evolves from like the normal light to a pink light to a normal light to a pink light, and you're like. On rewatch, this one, this one brought me to tears simply because I remembered how the story went. Yeah. And there's the fact that, again, similar to my shot in Moonrise Kingdom, there is no other shot in this movie that looks like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that is very, very individual. There's, there's nothing that you can kind of equate it to. There's all sorts of shot where one character is framed in the center and talking, but there's very rarely one that's zoomed all the way in on their face and this fantastical lighting and everything's going on and it's less, it's not what it looked like in their world. You know, Mm. that's not what zero was literally looking at. That's how zero sees Agatha. Yeah. It's how, yeah. And that, that, like when I saw that and it's how he remembers Agatha, I think is what really Uh, got me. It's not like, it's not like that's exactly how he's seeing her in that moment. It's when he thinks back to that moment, that's how he remembers seeing her. Like she was the only thing in existence. Mm-hmm. Her, her face is almost the entire frame twirling lights behind her. And I was just like, I like, I like blinked and one tear fell down my face and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I was is like, that, wow, that hit really fucking fast. Cause that's like that, a second and a half shot. That's not long. When um, they're on the merry-go-round, is that like, or like whenever he gives her the, the poetry book, is that like right I, after that? Or is I that think so. Part? I think so. I think it's a good 45 minutes into the movie. I couldn't really tell you exactly when, mm, but uh, yeah, but man, no, yeah, I'm look. I'm looking at it right now. Like with all the, the, like just 
blurred lights, lights that are in the background yeah. and like yeah the the pink well and the lights i think if i remember correctly are like rotating yeah yeah um, that's that's why i was trying to think if it was if like a carnival whenever they were there or something or whatever right they were at you know whenever because i remember they were at a merry-go-round at some point mm-hmm. and he gave her a book but i don't remember what led to it or what happened after right really um it was just kind of the summer love and mont- montage where they were catching mm. us up on their relationship when they're like a month wow. earlier and he proposes to her in the movie theater and they get down <laughs> right there. Um, and then they're just right. kind of showing us a montage of everything that had happened with them. So uh, it was it was during that. But, uh, dude, just like that shot, I like I, I I haven't had this with any of these movies yet. A lot of them make me just sob, you know, like I'm openly mm. like. <laughs> like I make a noise or something before it begins. I'm like, <laughs> and then I start crying or something, you know? And then, but like, uh, this one, it was completely unsuspecting. It always just sneaks the fuck up on me with this movie. I blinked and one tear fell out of my eye and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, no yeah. fucking way. Um, I, I don't know. I've really, the shots that I remember the most, I think are whenever it's just young writer, I guess. Um, Jude Law and uh, and Zero just sitting there, just having their dinner, and they're in just that massive dining Ball whatever. Yeah. And like, there's like this landscape painting that's behind them that is just beautiful. Like a like a we're standing on top of it in pot. Like you couldn't have even right, got right. there at all. But it just looks so beautiful. And then the use of lighting in in that room like always like there's literally a spotlight on their table you know like from the top and it's like there's the only table that is lit up and you have like earlier in the the like the like whenever you're first learning about the hotel it's like everyone stays to themselves you know everyone would kind of like it if we didn't even really see each other we give each other slight nods whenever we pass but it's like everyone likes to stick to their own you know very solitary and you see that dinner room and everyone's at their own table, completely spread apart. And they're the only ones that are together. And like, Mm -hmm. I think you even see like some people actually kind of look at them like, what are they doing? You know, like, whoa, like, like, and just the evolution of the hotel itself being a reflection of the times they live in, you know, uh, behind the scenes, it's a marvel that they managed this at all. Cause they, they literally built both of these sets simultaneously in the same place. They're the same room, the the lobby and uh the stuff that is in the Grand Budapest Hotel at the in the thirties and sixties. Oh my it's the god. Same, it is. Now that I'm looking the, at it, it yeah, is it's the, the painting same room. The landscape painting is just blocking the steps, like mm. of where like it goes up. You can actually Oh yep. my god. Well, and that's that yeah, the ballroom is also there. It's even the lobby where Monsieur John is sitting in like the little cut out that's the steps leading up to it and then they go in the separate ways that's where the concierge hangs out um yeah so they they built the 60 set inside the 30 set they kind of just covered it up and then they took it down they filmed the 30 stuff they took it down made the ballroom and that was like it's all one fucking place man and it's fucking crazy but to to speak to the evolution a little bit more, just uh, the way they depict it through mm. the 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 colors, the vibrancy of the '30s, and then bringing it to like this dull gray and orange. Uh, again, mm. you know, I know we've talked about Kubrick a couple times in this one. You know, you get a little bit of that Kubrick 
sort of vibe at the beginning of this movie when it's all mm. orange and you're kind of you, you look at a guy who's just sitting there and then he like turns his head over to the camera real slowly yeah. and takes off his glasses and stuff and it's like there's this vaguely not scary but like eerie thing going on at the beginning of this movie and uh you you just have no idea what you're about to get into um but to like to speak to what you're talking about the the environment where everyone's like yo are they like sitting together is that like a thing you can do mm-hmm. this place was once yeah. an extravagance a, a a a venue every if you were there it was all together everyone was talking it was loaded with people everyone was it was the scuttlebutt you know everyone was about <laughs> and uh and you came for gustav you know most most people seem to actually come for him you know is like what hmm. what it seemed and and that that shot at the end when he's just like around like 20 girl you know like just 20 blonde women um just all sitting around him having a good time and he's just like that that was one of my other contenders was him just having just a good time laughing yeah. you know it's after i think it did they deliver the sh- like the line that he was shot and then that was shown or was that before that um, was uh that was after uh yeah the, so the I, line was after that was oh, like the build up to it yeah. because they talk about how she left him all the money because they cut from the ballroom that they are sitting in later on where ed norton mm-hmm. reads the last will and testament in the event of da 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 you know, uh, in the event of my death by murder or whatever. And F. Murray Abraham takes over the narration and is like, he left her he or she left him everything. If it was by murder, she couldn't trust any of her family. So she was like, I know the person who didn't murder me was Monsieur Gustave, you know, mm. like to speak volumes of his character in that way, you know, and, you know, she left him everything. This, 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 this. And most importantly, the hotel. Oh, man, yeah, that the ending is is what really made it on on this first watch because I, I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of like, okay, well, what's what like it's not, hasn't happened yet, you know? Like the thing, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, say I've I've felt some emotional, you know, cues before, but like I don't know, the thing hasn't quite hit yet of the movie, and then right, and then the last like five ten minutes is just like okay. Oh yeah, like, I stay crying the last five ten minutes, man. It doesn't stop. Uh, it's just like, uh, yeah, this is, this is getting me right now. And it, and this more than any of the other movies, you know, sneaks up on you. I know I've said that a lot, Mm. but you know, it it almost does feel informational throughout most of the movie. It is, it, it feels more like a historical accounting of something that happened than it does a, a grand spanning narrative that you're like, wow, this is epic. And then the ending recontextualizes it. And you're like, oh, fuck, wait a minute. The whole movie was fucking brilliant. You know, it's, uh, it, it, this one's, this one's special, you know, uh, I don't know how much more I enjoy it than other ones, mm. you know, um, simply for that reason, you know, it is, and the rewatch did help. Like I rewatched it and I was like, oh yeah, I like this a lot more than I remembered, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the craft of it, that, this is yeah. this is definitely amongst his best. Like it's it's astonishingly well done. That I can't like. I just I still I don't I don't know. Maybe I just I can't see it. But like I don't I don't see how you like. Is it just to hate to hate? You know that people are hating. Like I don't know. Like or people like not giving his movies a chance. You know like a real chance when they're watching them because like 
if you're actually just like focused on the story and what's happening in front of you, like all that stuff just goes away and it's just really nice cherry on top that makes it. Well, look I mean, amazing. it's the same with anything else, you know, uh, animated we were just talking about animated movies recently and how you don't give them like there's there's a bunch of people who don't give mm. them a shot and it's like well why don't you give them a shot it's like well i just never have you know and that's the thing is that like if someone i can understand being uh distracted by the style of wes anderson i guess i can understand that um but even so it's not it's not so much where you're like oh my god i can't fucking stand this like why why am i looking at this you got to be a special type of dick to watch something pretty and go i don't like the way this looks you know what i'm saying um yeah that's i don't know i never had there's not one time where i'm like okay that that took me out or like if like usually it's like Oh, that's just really satisfying. Like that's, a, that's like, oh yeah, that's dope. And that's like, the thing too yeah. is that like I also I've I, I haven't really found a lot of people who don't like Wes Anderson style. You know, I've I, I, mm. it, I'm pretty universally as far as I've seen is just pretty much everyone going, yeah, that guy's fucking good at it. Um, and the people who are naysayers. Haven't given it a shot. Haven't given it its due and proper, you know. Mm. And uh, it's it and it's it's the same with all sorts of stuff, you know. I did say animated black and white movies. There was a t- there was a very long period of my life where I was like, I'm not going to watch a black and white movie. It's black and white. <laughs> yeah, you know, I want colors. Now yeah, I, I yeah, I guess it's kind of like video games in a little bit. Like this exactly. Super, like you you get a video game that's out now and it looks incredible, like real life, and then you go back and play a game that came out when I was a kid, and I'm like, oh my god, this looks terrible, like right. compared to today. But then I actually start playing it, and I'm like, oh, this is why I love. This it. is why you know, it was like, awesome. Yeah, I'm all no, I'm all, yeah. and I don't notice those things anymore. I don't notice that the graphics are that bad or that whatever is is off. Um, but yeah. The, it, the, all in all, summation of the story, uh, give give things a chance. You know, I fucking love black and white movies now. You know, mm-hmm. not all of them. Same with movies in color. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, well, this was a, this movie was in color. I liked that thing. It's the same with black and white movies. You know, I'm not going to be like, just cause it's old, it's fucking good. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, but it, the, the ones you've heard about, the black and white movies you've heard are good. Are probably pretty fucking good. That's true. You know, there's a reason they still are being watched. You know, you know, today. You know Citizen Kane and Casablanca and shit mm-hmm. like that. I've watched those for the first time relatively recently, and both of them, I went, yeah, yeah. There's a hmm. there's a fucking reason those are known as being very, very, very good. You know, it's uh, I haven't gotten to them yet, and maybe for that seven, reason, yeah, pretty much like, anything Akira Kurosawa, brilliant. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I've heard about it. And like I've I've known that these have been just widely acclaimed movies and that they are pretty good. And I get that idea. I guess I I don't know why I haven't like exactly no. And I'm I'm with you. And there's there's there was this element to it that was like uh, because it's old, you know. I didn't like there, yeah. there when I was younger. There was this thing in me where I was like, well, if it's made before this point, I don't really give a shit. You know, yeah. and it's it, it's not that it's like because of anything in particular it's just that like i don't know i know old people yeah you know yeah, it's, no it's way not, you were fucking with cool stuff you know what i'm saying i just want uh, to see the modern you know like i get it's not like it's really cool in like a, a movie whenever you hear the word you know the slang that you use or the mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It's like, okay, this is, this is part of the now, you know, like this is a movie mm-hmm. that's being made in the world that I live in. It's just, there's yeah. a different connection that you kind of have to it. Right. But with these movies, like, I don't know. Cause Moonrise Kingdom, that's set in like the 65. Yeah. That, and this is back in, I don't know. The, the 80s, the, oh, 60s and 30s. West seems to kind of, I don't know, go, go back a lot, mm. um, which is really awesome. And I remember the, this was the one Wes Anderson movie that I've just heard about um, before I even started this project at all. I remember being 14 when this was winning Oscars. That's the only thing I remember, yeah, is the Grand Bro, Budapest. Bro, I, I was a freshman in high school or an eighth grader. Mm-hmm. No fucking reason that I should be out here th- hearing that much about what movies are winning Oscars, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just not something that I Mm-mm. did a whole lot. But Grand Budapest Hotel made a fucking impact. Oh, when I was younger, because I remember that shit vividly Mm. and being like, wow, that's a dope title. I need to watch that at some point. That's Uh, true. The title. Yeah, that that was like, I remember it winning and like, that's an interesting title. You know, that you don't really, I don't know. It's a very. I liked the cover. I liked, I liked Mm -hmm. the picture. It was, it was just the front of the hotel and the Grand Budapest Hotel across the top. And I was like, that looks dope. Maybe I'll watch it one day. Um. Yeah, I mean, it won costume design, uh, makeup and hairstyling, music. Nominated written, for Best Picture, I'm assuming. Um, best Achievement in Production, and he won writing. Or no, nominated for writing. It was one for, nominated for one, two, three, four, five others. Yeah, po- Motion Picture of the Year, Directing, Cinematography, Editing, and Screenplay nominated. So, I mean, it was up for quite a lot. Um and it won four, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's nuts. Do we get any, I haven't checked in quite some time if we had any Kansas City Film Critics Circle. Award. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know, I just haven't, ah, oh, it doesn't seem like it. Um, maybe there's just too many on this page. Maybe I have to go to the next page for it or something, but, um, I don't know. This, that's, that's what I remember out, like, that's the only thing that I, I knew coming into this project was like, yeah, I can't wait to get to the Grand Budapest Hotel because it was – that's all I heard like in 2014 or 15, whenever it's winning all these awards. Mm. Um, and now I see why. Um, it's – he – like his style is just so unique and so cool. And I think it, it might be um, that I am only watching his movies right now pretty much. You know, like I'm I'm getting all that there is Wes Anderson. Mm now and it's it's like only enhancing it even more i uh i've mentioned this a couple times i love letterboxd for it's a statistical uh sort of side where i can Mm. see how much i've watched stuff and everything you know i (laughs) if you look at my most watched right now on letterboxd uh there are a few movies (laughs) with three and one movie with two in my top five because they only show the top five uh, hmm. There'd be a lot of movies with rewatches right now, uh, but th- uh, four times Moonrise Kingdom, Fantastic Mr. Fox, three times the Darjeeling Limited and Raiders of the Lost Ark, twice <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel. So four of the top five are Wes Anderson movies. And then furthermore, you can look at who your most watched director of the year is. And right now, mine's Martin Scorsese by one movie. But Wes Anderson, uh, if you look at it, I've watched... 10 of his films, but I've watched them 22 times. Dang. You know, like that's, and 16 of those were in the month of May. (laughs) You know, like that's a, 
I just kept watch. I was like, I I can't stop. I'm on a fucking roll right now, and it's not it's not going to stop. It's they're so satisfying to watch that I just won't get over it anytime soon. And uh, boy, am I glad we started this project, you dude! Know, like, I fucking love this project. I've been needing an excuse to get into Wes Anderson and and just actually watch them. I don't know why it took me a whole podcast project to get started. Um, but man, am I glad we did. Because... There's a structure, you know, you're like, oh, I, I, I know what the plan of attack is. Sometimes it's intimidating to go like, oh, where do I start? You know, it's, uh, it's yeah. like, uh, how do you, like, you just, just got to dive in, baby. With our 52 year journey, you know, through film that we did, like, I remember coming out of it, like, man, if there was one director that I actually just kind of liked the movies of, it was Kubrick, you know, like that, the, the, the director that stood out to me. And I'm like, wow, yeah. like, I don't know. I really, I really enjoyed his movies. Um, but there was always this thing in the background where I'm like, man, I can't really fully get behind him, you know. Like I can get behind his movies, right. but like it just really sucks that he's not like a, a, a not in like real a life guy. Yeah. yeah. But in this Hell way, of a creative, like, very, very yeah. good director. Um, that's true. Um, but but Wes is doing it right. Um, it seems yeah. it, it seems he's doing everything right. The storytelling, the camera work, the actual just environment that he creates um on set yeah, um especially like after hearing what he did with moonrise kingdom to get the child actors like comfortable with each other and like actually like go through those steps and every like i don't know he's just it seems that his movies are are very much for a purpose you know and it's not just like a, a cash grab at all you know i don't get that sense whatsoever um from any of his movies that like oh yeah we're we're gonna make a lot of money from this movie mm -hmm. this is I have this story. This he story makes is exceedingly little money off his movies. That's what I was wondering. How? Uh, yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox didn't profit. Um, wow. That's that's a movie that went negative. Uh, I'm sure this movie did fine. Um, just because. You know, the Oscar winners that were like massive typically do. Um, let's see. It cost twenty five million and made a worldwide gross of 173 million. So it did very well this one. There you go. That's nice. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think then, he really he probably doesn't care about that a whole no, lot. No, he's making but, movies uh, that he wants to make, you yeah. know. That's the that's the brilliance of it, you know. And uh, like last week Moonrise Kingdom, that was the the second lowest budget he ever had for a movie at 16 million. Um and the worldwide gross was sixty eight million. It made a, almost a hundred million less than Grand Budapest Hotel. You know, like that's a uh... man. Yeah, I don't know. It it doesn't that that's not really part of his mindset. When Goal, yeah, but yeah. It's like Moonrise Kingdom, probably low budget because I mean, just using nature for most of it. You know, it's like yeah. I, like a, a lot. I don't, probably just paying the actors and and building the stuff that they needed. You know, do or whatever. But like, it may, I don't know. It makes it. It's at least he's making some money off. You know, like I, that, that's a good like metric to see like how it's received. I guess you mm -hmm. know, like money's not just like a a number. Like it is somewhat of a metric of like how much people are enjoying it. Um, no, nah, but one hundred percent. It's it. It you know, it's it, money isn't everything, but it does. It you know, there's a, there's a reason. Fucking Infinity War, Endgame. These movies are topping the fucking charts. You know, they're not they're not masterpieces by any means, but people fucking love those movies. You know, like uh, it's 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 why they're making a ton of money. And this one even making one hundred and seventy mil. That's, you know, and <laughs> when you talk about superhero movies, that's chump change. But it's like 
a that's lot like how money. much that's how much like Shazam two made. You know what I'm saying? That's how much Black Adam made. Uh, and that's fucking nuts. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's an absurd number to be like, oh, that's good. You know, because it is. It is. It profited over a hundred million dollars. That's like that's nothing to fucking scoff at. That's that's impressive shit. But uh, I wonder since Fre- like French Dispatch, that's his most recent one, right? Yes. I wonder. It is. I wonder what how that did. Uh, I have to imagine it didn't do very good. Forty six point three million. Yeah, I was gonna say it came out in twenty twenty one. Ah, amidst amidst everything. Help. Yeah. Um, um. Still made money. It only costed twenty five twenty five million to make. Um, yeah. So still, I mean, it made. I mean, made a little money. Did that's something. A couple million, you know. I don't know. It's like. <laughs> if you're yeah, making man. a couple like, like tens of millions that's i don't know that's still impressive you're it's doing just, pretty it's, good you're it's just that we good. hear of movies that make billions billion yeah like, okay <laughs> then that okay whatever but yeah, I no, wonder, you're right asteroid city the number one you know somehow i don't know let's uh that's it's coming out it's not covid well shit no i I mentioned Asteroid City in my living room the other day. I was like, well, because I was explaining the schedule change we had to mm. my my family because my dad loves Bottle Rocket. Like he, he loves the movie Bottle Rocket. So there's okay. a distinct possibility he might be joining us for the Bottle Rocket episode. Um, cool. But we were talking about that and I was like, yeah, well, we're doing all this. But Asteroid City's not coming out until in our area until da 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 da. And Griffin goes, Asteroid City looks so good. Griffin's 13. You know, I'm like, I'm like, you're hearing about shit like this. That makes me very happy, you know, to be like, uh, and he won't go see it. He doesn't go to the movies, but like, that's a, uh, he's here. That's, that's a good, I don't know. That's good. That's a good sign. I'm I'm happy with the marketing. If my 13 year old little brother is hearing about it, you know, part of that's gotta be how much does this recent trend affect the box office you know how much do people see a day in the life of wes anderson on tiktok and go how about i go see wes anderson for real you know like uh i wonder if that does have any effect on anything maybe um, the wes anderson maybe they did it you know maybe they were part of it all along maybe, maybe no, it's no nah, no nah, probably not I, i'd nah, say it's not. it's probably he's the most unique like i don't know i'm trying to think of another director that has like such a unique distinctive modern distinct style, style yeah. across like most of their movies i don't know yeah. like it's i don't i think like kubrick it is yeah, like kubrick you just have like the kubrick stare you don't have, you like have this the whole movie. yeah yeah it's like, or like even how it shot down to the everything um so yeah, maybe that's it's just the easiest one to, to have attempt to imitate yeah. yeah um no, what's really awesome about it is, you know, like there was one the other day that was in promotion of Asteroid City. That was like the cast of Asteroid City did it like the, you know, the little. It's the French dispatch theme that's become the song that goes with it. Um, But it's ass. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. you know, And like it's it. All these videos do is show how it's not easy to do. You know, it's it's not easy to make a movie like this. It's not easy because there's always something wrong about it. I'm never watching and like it's cool. I like watching it. You know, do your thing. I'd rather watch those than the AI fake ass recreation things. Um hmm. because at least you're you're creating something. But like 
even so, every single one of them, it's like, well, this this isn't what happens in a Wes Anderson movie. Even if you watch the Wes Anderson movies, you you know it yeah. we've talked about this matter of fact stoicness that like everyone kind of presents their lines with, but even this movie that is supposed to be the pinnacle of what mm. that style is. How many times do Ray Fines just like blurt shit out? You know, like he was he was ta- he was a fast talker. He wasn't like he did speak with emotion. Yeah, no, he had his a, definitely a tone to him. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's the thing is that like you find that in every movie. Every every movie has their thing. You know, it's not that uh, like I don't know. People dumb down what Wes Anderson does so much that they they make it mm. almost sound easy and it's not easy you know like this is not something that you go oh well i could do that if you know? anything it makes it more difficult mm. to like to to adhere to that style and actually mm. make a, a you know a well, motivating and a peak, and well enough movie a like, peak example of that where it's just like how are we going to pull this off and make it feel the way the rest of the movie does is the the ski lift chase oh yeah, that that was nice. No, that it, felt uh, like that's a that's entirely stop motion animation too. That's uh that's all that's, that's all that is. Um, but the the way they got the, like shots of the hill and stuff, they just they literally had a miniature of the hill, and with they built trees on the side of it that are like two and a half feet tall, and they took a camera and just ran it all the way through it, and that's how they 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 swerved it back and forth for the little like flags in wow. the middle and stuff you know uh yeah and then I they also think, oh my god i didn't even yeah because they obviously didn't have that long of a, a ski no, bath and that no. ramp that they jumped yeah obviously that the ramps a miniature hello. and everything yeah, like it's <laughs> no and that's what's so fucking cool about it is like figuring stuff like that out like logistically he's like well this is in the script we got to figure out how to fucking do it you know it's like uh it's probably like well we're obviously not going to do it for real. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, that yeah. was like step number one. They're like, well, okay, so now what do we do? Well, like, and yeah, it's like, I didn't even realize that. Another thing they kind of explained in this behind the scenes documentary was like how everything is much simpler than you would think. Like as far as how they pull it off, you know, there's like a train station sequence where you're inside the train and you just, you, the camera just goes with it down the mm. line. And that's just like a tiny little box that they built around the camera that looks like a train. And they just put it across a set for a second. And like every time Ray Fiennes and uh, Tony Revolori are sitting in the train and they're looking out the window. It's a little box that they are sitting in with a window that they're just pushing with a camera inside of it. In the middle of nowhere while it's snowing on some tracks. That's all that is, you know, like that's a, and that's brilliant. And that's why this movie cost this grand epic Hmm. movie cost $25 million. You know, that's actually insane. Yeah. This is an epic story that they're telling with these just epic grander elements. And you're telling me Thor love and thunder cost 10 times much to make. Isn't that fucking crazy? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. stuff like that. That's insane to me. I think you know? it's the and, mindset of fix it in post or ah, they'll get it in the, the effect. Exactly. You know, he's more of like, no, we're we'll doing it now. now. We're doing yeah. it now. Um, 
while while I have the camera in my hand. And there is stuff that they still manage to do in post, you know, like uh, mm. those shots on the ski lift. Whenever Ralph or Ray finds and Tony Revolori are like going back and forth on the sled, they like cut to the front of it and mount it on the. They look like they're mounting mm-hmm. it on the front of it yeah. and they're like swinging back and forth. They showed the behind the scenes. It's just them sitting in front of a green screen and <laughs> it's not moving at all. And Ray finds is going, ah, <laughs> and he's just like moving back and forth. And that's all that it is. Yeah. Uh, whenever they kill Jopling, mm-hmm. he's like stomping on the ice, ready to push him yeah, over the edge. That. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that's, well, that's some pretty, I, the snow break, like breaking like that. That was mm-hmm. pretty, pretty oh. cool. But, uh, whenever uh, Zero comes up and pushes him off the cliff and you watch Joplin fall to his death, it doesn't look like those types of falls typically do where it's like someone going like, ah, or anything. He's like flinging around and stuff. And that's because it's Willem Dafoe sitting on a green yoga ball just going, ah, he's like throwing his body around like he'd be falling. And like... uh, that and that's what awesome. they put in the movie, you know? And it's like stuff like that where they just come up with these wildly creative and simple things to do to put into this epic grand movie that you would feel like would just be massive, you know? Like they were they were so concerned with that ski lift uh sequence because they were so concerned it would take up the majority of the budget. And when they finished it, it cost them far less than they'd ever even originally budgeted it for because of all the work they put into it. You know, they're like, it might not have been easy, but it was cheap and it looks fucking good. Yeah. I, I had no clue. I mean, I didn't even think of how they went about it in the first place, but never would I have thought that he was on a, you know, an exercise ball, just flailing around. I thought maybe he'd actually jump off something laying on a pad. I don't know. Or yeah, I'm like, I, I guess you watch him like fling around the whole way down. And that's, that's what that is, man. And that's, that's what makes movies like this and Wes's special is that everything feels so grounded, even though it is fantastical, even though there is Hmm. this larger than life element, like even in moonrise kingdom, you know, it's this like biblical catastrophic uh apocalypse type event that's incurring Mm. it's like oh this is about to happen you better fucking look out you know uh everything's about to change and it's just these kids running away from a fucking storm and social services and stuff like that's a Hmm. yeah it's really just a a hotel concierge that is really it has a way with people uh you know I, i had i had a feeling that like okay you know, is he a con artist? You know, like, is that actually what he does and only does? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just he, he collects trinkets from, I don't know. It's just he's been around so many people that that's safe and that he had. I don't like I don't right. really see him as a con artist, you know, no, like, not at all. Um, it's just that he actually has really good interactions with people. He just wants to. Be, he, yeah, he's living life to the fullest in the way that he can, you know, like there's a. You know, whenever they they show all the the blonde women who uh, and everything, like this is what he's done. Like whenever he talks to him on the train at the beginning, and he's like, "And she's a hell of a lay too," and uh, he's like, "Sir, she's eighty two. and he's like, "I've had older." You know, yeah, when yeah. you're young, it's all prime cuts, but whenever Always. you, yeah. yeah, but but when you get older, you got to realize it's the the other cuts, the more flavorful ones or whatever. And it's, and ah. it's good. I like those, you know, it's not like, it's not like I've had to settle. I enjoy that. Uh, like it's just what a character to make the protagonist of a movie where 
you know, like the story isn't even technically about him. Mm. It's you really know, like how he's he affected Zero. Like, yeah, what like the impact he had on Zero's life because before this, what he was like a uh, he worked at a couple other hotels. It seemed like like two mm-hmm. other, at least that he got a mention. You know, right. zero experience though. Um, and Why do you want to work at the Grand Budapest? Well, because it's the Grand Budapest, sir. Who wouldn't? And he's like, fuck yeah, I like that. You're hired. Mm-hmm. Uh, right answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those yeah, no, shots they, in the lift, those were fire too. The cut, co- like the colors, everything was so colorful, so vibrant. So, yeah. And then, it, and then when the Nazis or Nazis fascists got in there, I mean, same thing. Basically, um, they, whenever they get in there, they put up their banners. It's all gray. Looks basically like a prison, you know, almost. And, got, and then they just got Monsieur Chuck opening fire. You know, like you, it, it, it was always like a place of peace and whatever. Even whenever it was at like in the present day or present whatever, when he's telling the story, it's calm. Not you mm-hmm. wouldn't expect a gunfight to go down in there, but the second the fascists get in there. You know, every everyone just comes out of the room and is like, "Huh, gunfire? Oh, I'll join it." You know, it's like that's what I, I like gunfire. Let me join in. Um, and it's just showing just I don't know how they just ruin the place. You know, whenever they get in there. Um, but I love like even through all that gunfire, uh, zeros like Agatha runs. You know, he's like doesn't question it. He's like, "Nope, got to go for." Her. Um, you She's know, all that matters, man. She's She's the Susie to, to his Sam, yeah. bro. Oh yeah, yeah. He tries to bust through the door and he gets a running start, and then the dude opens the door. So yeah, he just runs Falls right out through the window, it, hanging with them. And dude, and... it's a great fucking movie. And there's so much that happens in such a. I think it's an hour and forty minute runtime. You know, yeah. like it's yeah. it's a little longer than Moonrise and Darjeeling and Fantastic Mr. Fox. It feels a hell of a lot longer than ten minutes longer, though. Like there's, and that's not a bad thing, you a know. Like, it's a, yeah, in, in in the better way. In yeah. this context, it's so much happens. Sorry, I accidentally muted myself there. Yeah. Uh, so much <laughs> happens that it's like they cram into this that doesn't feel overstuffed either. Like it doesn't feel like, oh well, you tried to get too much done in too little time. There wasn't. It's there so be, straight to the point and on the nose that like it just works perfect, man. Yeah, there's nothing I would take out of this movie. You know, no, like not, there wasn't a scene that I'm like, ah, oh, we didn't really need that. And I don't know what I would add. You know, like I don't think there's anything where I'm like, ah, oh, I really would have liked expansion on this. No, this was dope. Yeah, no, I'm I'm complete, and I that's. I don't know. I'm really interested to see like how all of these movies change on the second watch because I've I've only watched all of them one time and I haven't revisited any of them. Um, and I think it's you know we're just we want to get to the next movie you know and, and record like I don't know this is it's kind of unlike any project we've done you know like I like right. I, I had ex, you know all the excitement for the comic book movies and, and 52 year journey to film but this one I am like I. I kind of need to get yeah. to the next one, you know, like yeah. I, I need to go. Um, but, but no, at the that's same what's time, fun I, I about this man yeah. is that we'll probably, you know, we're, we're, we're not super far ahead of schedule, but I'm sure we'll end up building that backlog with, uh, what we've got planned and stuff. Mm. You know, I'm sure we'll end up getting to a certain point with our next director where, you know, we're about to go see asteroid city and we've already knocked out a couple of the next guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. This is I'm sure it's something a really like good that. Chance to to highlight really good movies, you know, and, and ah, yeah, 
what a way well, and I mean, like even if they're not the strongest movies of all time you know like uh there's there's mixed reception to a few of these Wes Anderson movies. You know, Darjeeling Limited isn't the most popular movie of all time. It's not one that a lot of people regard as their favorite Wes movie. But when you get in this mode, we've all of a sudden discovered what is easily one of my favorite movies of all time, you know, and it's, you find a filmmaker you really like and you just, you just go with it, man. And that's, that's what I like. Wes is going to be tough to top for me. You know, I have, I've always regarded, my top two favorite directors in the last couple of years as Spielberg and Scorsese and Wes Anderson is easily there. You know, like that's, he's easily top three. Uh, don't, don't know how specific I can get beyond that. Um, probably top two, but I don't know which one would be one, you know, and he's I don't know who would be two. Um, at least I, I just don't have, I mean, I've seen Spielberg and Scorsese movies. That's for sure. But I think doing this, like, dive into him specifically and only getting him for the stretch of time and not like i've just seen spielberg movies throughout my life you know and it's mm-hmm. like i never once like thought oh, in. this is spielberg making this let me focus on that and let yeah. me know. um so that's the lens man it's the way you look at it mm-hmm. you know it's it's it, it changes things for sure but uh yeah no i'm gonna go ahead and spoil that we will be doing uh scorsese uh, that's a couple ones down the down the line we do have a couple in between uh, Wes Anderson and Scorsese, but Killers of the Flower Moon, man. Even with Asteroid City coming out, which I am ecstatic for, I do think Killers of the Flower Moon is still my most anticipated movie uh, of the year. Like, I'm just like, that one's wow. gonna. What a what a switch up, you know? Like, I I I'm so excited for Asteroid City because I just want to see a new. I want to have a theater experience where I am in the theater watching a Wes Anderson movie, and it's right, like, yeah. new, and I, that that's like amazing to me. But we have, like, I don't know. There's so many Marvel and DC movies that are coming out. And, like, I, I was hyped for all, all of that. But, like, now it's just, that's just kind of, like... That's just a little... I'll, I'll get yeah, to that. It's like, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll get there. But I'm I'm going to the theater more for this sort of stuff now. Yeah, literally that week that Asteroid City drops. It's the same week as The Flash. And I'm that movie looks fun. I'm sure as shit more excited for Asteroid City. I'll tell you that right now. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Wes is my number one, without a doubt, right now. I, mm. I can say that. Um, and I think it's yeah. probably just because I've only been watching him for the past, I don't know, however long we we start. I don't yeah, know, no, I mean, he'd, prob- he'd probably be my number um, one, if I'm being honest with myself. Man. I'm trying to be a little bit more considerate of the, the history I've had with Spielberg and mm. Scorsese. But I don't know, you know, he's the, he's the one that's hot on my mind right now. And goddamn, do I love all these movies, you know, like... There's not a single one where I'm like, ah, you know, I could take it or leave it. You know, that's, that's all right. You know, no, I'm, I, I will keep almost every single one of these in the consistent rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's, that's what's amazing about it. But, uh, it's just so, di- cause I'm looking at Scorsese movies now and I'll, cause I'm, I'm like undoubtedly Westman number one, but now I'm like looking at his movies and I'm like, okay, it's just a whole different vein of movies. Just a different type of movie. And yeah. Like it's completely different. Um, wait. Scorsese directed a movie called Spielberg? <laughs> no, probably not. Or do- oh, it's a documentary. Um, okay, not an actual movie, but interesting. I just looked up Scorsese on Google Filmography, and then I see Spielberg, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's a little weird. Um, but no, like it- Scorsese has some absolute top, top movies of my all-time list. Like, that's without a doubt. But I think Wes is... 
he's hit me a different in a different way. Like he, mm. I, I am thinking of more than just the movie after right. I'm done with it. Um, and and I'm so I, I can't wait to get like actually into the making of these movies after. I don't know, I give them a second watch and then maybe I see how it's made or maybe I do that in between. I, I don't know. Like, uh, I'm, I'm just, I want to deep, even deeper dive into Wes, um, than just, than just watching him. And yeah, I don't know. I, this project has been, been one, one of my favorites that we've done. Uh, just oh, dude, doesn't even I'm... feel like a project, you know, it's, it's like, it's just, all right, what's the next Wes movie? It's almost I'll... like an education like you're taking a course yeah. for a few weeks and you're excited about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's a lot of fun, but before we get to our rating, let's go through all our favorites one more time, just to reiterate them kind of want to, we used to put a lot more emphasis on them instead of just kind of bringing them up whenever we wanted to. Um, so I want to get back around to being mm-hmm. like, at least at the end, revisiting them going, these are my favorites. This is what, this is what it was. So uh, let's start with a uh, scene. What was your favorite scene of the movie? Once again, I went initially, and I think it, it's true now that I'm thinking about it. It's kind of whenever it, it – maybe it's because of the prison break. The prison break was just hilarious and yeah. how that all happened. Um, but it's right after they got out of prison. They, he comes up the, the sewer, and it's zero in, in uh, Gustav's conversation they have right there. Um, whenever he apologizes to him after he hears his family history and or what happened to him. And then – then they go on to the the crossed keys. I think that it was just sandwiched in between two really really cool um, parts of the movie: the prison break, and then you get this emotional kind of even you know funny funny scene as well of them talking, and then you get like the whole crossed keys and like are you senior or you know concierge uh, Gustave of the French Budapest Hotel or whatever? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. God damn it. Yes. God damn I it. Am. Yes, I am. <laughs> Fucking what do I need to do? Um but no, I love that was like the first kind of tear up moment that I had in the movie. Um No, it's a good it, if I'm not just picking the I was end, damn tempted you know, to. Like if it's just not the end and like how it all right. wrapped up. Um I don't know, I really I really liked that just the little moment they had together. No, I pay I pay homage to the end with my line, which we will get to, but uh yeah, uh that's a brilliant scene, you know, whenever because there's there's it's the most human he gets with zero i feel like like he always has a show he's putting on basically you know it's always a performance he's doing and he mm-hmm. and he lets it down for a second and he puts it right back on he's like i'm like he's like i'm so sorry like that's not that's ridiculous of me i yeah. shouldn't have done that and then he turns it back on the hotel and he goes it is not becoming of the grand budapest and i am so sorry we are like it's it's uh there's oh yeah it's it's always these moments that are so emotionally rich but then you also get a laugh out of them too and mm-hmm. it's it's just incredible how he balances it it's not like the comedy's taking away from the emotion or anything right. like that it's just it's all just a a fantastic mashup dude it is it is my favorite scene was the uh the reading of the will and all that which ensues afterward um because not only is it the biggest culmination of all the talent in the movie i feel like you know like you got jeff goldblum and adrian brody and willem dafoe and ray, uh, ray fines and mm-hmm. tony revelory and all of them are there in the same scene but it's so comedic and so intense uh whenever they get done punching each other one of the people in the stands goes where is she and she's like sh- and someone's like she's dead we're reading her yeah. will and he's like oh yeah you know like that's that's How funny as fuck care. yeah yeah like that it, i don't know it's funny but then also like goes to show like they're not there for 
the funeral or like to mourn. Yeah. They're there for all the just the to goodies. see what they. Yeah, it's like. Uh, but then the scene immediately after this, uh, when they steal boy with apple, that's mm. that just enriches it. You know, whenever uh, Zero like looks at Gustav and he like kind of looks at him, looks back up, looks at him, looks back up. He grabs the stool and puts it before it, and he's like, "Because uh, Gustav wasn't going to do that." That's like Zero, yeah. and, and, and Gustav was like. I, you know, because that's the turning point, you know, he was already down with him. He was like, you know what? I'm going to take you on our journeys. You know, you're my boy for now. You're our lobby boy. I'm training you and shit. You know, but then that happens. And he's like, after that, he's like, I'll make a blood pact with you. Let's make a, yeah. let's, let's make a, I don't know what he called. It. I think it was something like that, like a, a sacred bond or like a, yeah, some something shit. like sacred pact. And he's like, yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to write it up right now. Yep. Actually, no, you're doing it. And I'm just going to speak and you're going to write it for me. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's so it's man. Yeah. No, it's man, a great I, fucking scene, man. Picking a scene is tough. Yeah, for this Dude. one, actually. Well, and it's because, so like, they're all from. so... There's even one we didn't talk about at all where Jeff uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, the lawyer Kovacs, gets, like, chased through the museum. The whole chase scene that's, like, this really Hitchcockian fucking almost vintage horror scene where it is, mm. like, there's a shot of Jeff Goldblum when he turns... Scene. And his, oh. like, only his lenses are lit up. And you're like, oh. what the fuck? That's dope. He's walking through a room where, like, the, the lit up knights are, like, the shining armor. And mm-hmm. then he gets and his hand did. chopped, his fingers oh. chopped off. Like, dude, brilliant scene. And that was one that was a contender for my favorite scene simply for the way it was done. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this, uh, like, it, that's not my favorite scene. I won't, uh, so I won't dive into it deeper, but I fucking loved it, man. Like, that's, yeah. uh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. On I think on on second watch, I don't know. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to think if it's going to change or not. Like I, the ending is probably more of like my like that's where it all came together. That's like yeah, you know. I'm down, like, ah, but like just a a scene that just got me before that even happened. Mm. Um, it was yeah. I don't know. This there's so many like even the confessional like th- them getting there like that that chase to them get to the church and hear um surge in the confessional booth and then. He gets killed right in front, you right. know, right there. Like, hello, are you? Are you here? What's going on? Check him; he's dead. Like, yeah, that like that was strangled. Man, there's so many. Why things. are we chasing him? I don't know. He's a he's a maniac. Maybe we should stop. He's like too late. I can ba- I can barely steer. You know, like they didn't even know why they were doing what they were doing. They were just fucking doing it, which is hilarious. Uh, no, man, I I, I adored that scene. Uh, I already went over my shot. The uh, Agatha mm-hmm. Light of Zero's Life shot is the, what what I called it. Like a uh, the the lights and the lighting on Swarcy Ronan's face just absolutely brilliant. I, I loved the visual there, but uh, I do think, yeah, yeah I will. Lie. I'm looking at it right now on IMDb. The them and the pastry cart thing, just all the boxes, the Mendel's cart boxes all around him, wrapped up, and he just had like is holding her, and they're looking just right at each other. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, just very, very beautiful, very pink, very vibrant, oh, very bright. Um, and he and in zeros in the like bakery kind of delivery yeah. driver outfit as well. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah, I just that's um, a good look. That was a good one. Okay. Uh, we both went with Ray F- uh, Ray Fines as Monsieur Gustave for our performance, and Tony Revolori and F. Murray Abraham as Zero Mustafa for our character. And uh, that leads us to line. Mm-hmm. Which I don't believe I've delivered in full, but if you want yeah. to reiterate yours, you can go ahead. Yeah, mine was I think his first sermon uh, that he was given to given to the 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 staff, 
And he said that rudeness is merely the expression of fear. People fear or people fear they won't get what they want. The most dreadful and unattractive person only needs to be loved and they will open up like a flower. Um mm. and interesting that we're talking about Scorsese because what I was reminded of right after that line was Shutter Island and how that doctor went about things. You know, he was like um, we don't want to drill into people's brains or give them medications. It's right. like, I just want to talk to them like a normal person and see if yeah. that works, you know? And I'm like, I don't know. And then it like got me to think of that. And I'm like, oh, well, I, root, I've never thought about that. You know, like, why are people rude or mean? It's probably, they got something else going on, you know, going on in the background that that's, I don't know. It's, it's crazy how just, it's a funny, you know, it's a whole scene whenever he just reads poetry and then they all go eat and it's whatever. But for a second there, it got me to think, you know, stop yeah, like that. That was a good line. Penny um, Bloom Podcast presents Director's Spotlight, Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island, coming late 2023. Yeah, we'll uh, get it's there. A guarantee. It's we'll a guarantee. It's a guarantee. Um, But my line is uh, the hotel I keep for Agatha. We were happy here for a little while. To be frank, I think his world had vanished long before he had ever entered it. But I will say, he certainly sustained the illusion with a marvelous grace. I was like, that's, oh, God, that's a fucking bar. And then he just goes. And then, like, the, after that, whenever the elevator shut and he's like, I couldn't help but think about the time I'd had here and the story he told. And I, I was sure this was one of the most beautiful places I'd ever seen or had the opportunity to experience. I never went back. You know, I mean, I never got a chance to go back. That's the thing is that. He kept it for Agatha, and that's like I, I mean, I was like, oh, oh, okay, what you know, I'm I'm lo- I'm already like kind of tearing up and everything, but like I would have been fine if he would have said like, no, yeah, I actually like I wanted to keep it going. I couldn't let his spirit die, you know, like or something like that. Mm. Like probably is part of the reason, but not the main, you know. Like oh, yeah. I'd say, like it's not like oh no, I I don't really care about him anymore. I just keep it going for Agatha. But I think it's like he, I don't know, I I would have been fine even if it wasn't for her but then he says that and i'm just like oh well, and i think like, there's yeah. a level there where that is what monsieur gustave would have wanted mm. he wouldn't have wanted him to keep it for him if he was going yeah. to keep it he wanted it to be the romantic thing you know he wa- it, it, yeah. it was because it was because it's where agatha where he found agatha like and that's what's important to him about this place and i think monsieur gustave would understand that you know and i think that's uh it, it adds to this movie all the more for that reason um but yeah, man, I love I loved this one, and it's gonna do very very well rating wise. Enjoyment and critical are both gonna be rather high, if I did have to say so myself. Um, I don't believe for enjoyment I'm at the firm ten that I was with Moonrise Kingdom by any means. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Um, not quite a ten, but it's. Let's see, but I think. Fantastic Mr. Fox was a nine. That's interesting. I think I'm. I think I'd rather watch this. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm I interested. My, I, I was gonna say. I think my floor there. is nine. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I, I was only gonna go up from there. That's for sure. I'm like. I. I think I do enjoy this more than Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay. Life Aquatic had a nine five. I think we're getting closer there for sure. I think it might. Uh, is it nine seven five? Is, is it, it? Is it on that level? I I don't know because I, I mean I'm only on my first one. Like it's only going to get to get better after this. But I was. I'm gonna I'm tell you for that top 100 that I've referred to multiple times. 
all three of Moonrise Kingdom, Darjeeling Limited, and Grand Budapest Hotel are top 15. And I have Darjeeling Limited and Grand Budapest Hotel back to back because I don't know how to choose one over the other. Yeah. Darjeeling Limited's at a 9.75. I think I dig, I, I dig that. Yeah. I think, I think I'm there because I was like, I, I don't, I think I'm definitely going to Grand Budapest before I go back to Life Aquatic. You know, that, that like, I'm like, I don't know. I like Life Aquatic, but mm. it, he's just, he's just getting better and better. And Moonrise Kingdom, that was just, I don't know. That was sort of different. That was like a, a different sort of experience. And I, I that was a firm 10 and I was sure yeah. about that, but this, this, there was just a little bit of hesitation. Right. Um, and yeah, putting it down at, yeah, no, nah, this is, this is top tier. Um, and critically, yeah, this is, this is his best movie so far, yeah. you know, um, I mean, come on. um, which puts the floor for us at a 9.25. Okay. Um, so nine Puts five the or for me at a nine five. Yeah, nine five, nine seven, five or ten. Um, can you say it's a perfect film? No, that, that's kind of can. Can is any movie? What movie I don't think. I don't think in our entire time doing this, reading any movie, have we ever gone critically? This film is a ten out of ten. That's just never happened because I don't think either of us are well equipped enough to say, and I don't think anyone is. I don't think it's possible to have a movie you cannot improve at. You know, even if I can't recognize the things I would change, which I don't recognize anything, I'm sure there is someone with a great point that I haven't heard or thought about that would go, you know, it would make this movie better if they did this. And I go, oh, dude, that'd be awesome. You know, like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. so I'd be, I'd be comfortable going that evening, the nine, seven, five. I'd also be fine with a nine, five. I'd be fine with either or. I think nine, seven, five just makes sense here. Um, all right because yeah i'm like i'm not gonna give it a 10 because I, I right there like i don't think i can give any movie a 10 but this is as close to a, like as a perfect movie as i like i don't know it was shot amazingly the colors amazing every performance amazing the writing incorrect like i don't know there's not there's not anything that i could have a gripe about right. i don't even know like what is one gripe i have of this movie I, I, I don't have that. I haven't seen it enough. Maybe exactly. is the only gripe I have. So yeah, I don't that know. It's I'm... only an hour and 40 minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't um, want any, like I didn't need anything more. I didn't want any less, but goddamn, I wouldn't have complained about it being two hours. You know what I'm saying? I like, but maybe I would have, maybe that does make it worse. Maybe I'm like, well, you stretched it out a little long. Like that's the thing is that he made exactly the movie he wanted to fucking make. And that's, yeah, there's it's no, hard to be like, you know what, that's like, bad. There's no standard he has to meet. There's no, like, we need a two-hour movie from mm -hmm. you, so make it around that, you know? It's just like, he goes in, knows what he wants to make, and I don't, I, I don't know. It's just, it feels way more like art than, if I, I don't know, if I'm watching a, a Marvel movie, I know I'm watching a Marvel movie. Like, and I know that this is like, a lot of things in this movie are for you know they're gonna get their money from it and that's that's kind of their mm. their main goal you know pushing a grander story along sure um but this is meaningful this has yeah. like i don't know this is i i would actually 
like to it's talk a passion about passion project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whenever you can feel the heart of the creator in the thing you're watching, it's all the better. And that also applies to superhero movies. That's why the best ones that you think of, you go like, oh, I could feel how much the person who created this movie cared about it. You know, that's that's why the James Gunn Guardians movies are as strong yeah. as they are. You know, like that's that's why Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies are as strong as they are. You know, mm-hmm. that's a. Uh, that's why Richard Donner's Superman was as good as it is. You can feel that someone cared about the way that movie was made. And that's uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman, like those, uh, the Ramsey, or Peter Ramsey and Chris Lord and Phil Miller with Into the Spider-Verse and stuff like those are. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, this. Wes is in a different tier. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. There's this. I've, I'm struggling to find like. How is anyone going to top him for me? Is what I'm wondering. Like, yeah, I don't know. No, Maybe... and I, I think I'll. I, I'm. I'm about there. You know, I'm about there. I, I just love these movies, man. They're they're so fucking good. But uh, that puts it at a nine point seven five for us, tying yeah, it with Moonrise Kingdom. It's pretty easy. Nine seven five, nine seven five, all across the board. Uh, and that's. I feel right about that. that I do too. Good. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. So it does tie it with Moonrise Kingdom. That I like that. Um, I do too. Yeah, I do too. Different weights, but it's the it's the same thing, you know. Uh, but on IMDb, this ended up pulling down an eight point one out of ten. That's pretty high for IMDb. That's it like, is. They've wow. all been kind of sevens. Uh, yeah. Wow. And on Rotten Tomatoes, this is pulling down a ninety-two percent, mm. which is damn strong with an eighty-six percent audience score, kind of mirroring the numbers for Moonrise Kingdom. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, loving me some Wes, and uh, this run we've been on the f- the four movie run here with Darjeeling, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, and Grand Budapest might be my favorite four movie run for any movie creator ever. Like that's that's you're putting up crazy numbers. That's the thing. Uh, at that point. The first two are just like an appetizer now. Yeah. Like, it's insane that the Royal Tenenbaums and the Life Aquatic are like, I see that as that now. Because I remember whenever I was talking about them, I'm like, oh my god. This was this was such a different movie experience. Like, the Royal Tenenbaums, I'm like, this was a great introduction to Wes Anderson. I mm-hmm. can't wait to see more. And it Life truly Aquatic. operates as a good introduction, yeah. you know? And Life Aquatic, I'm like, okay. Now he elevated a bit, and I'm like, I, I like, you know, I like this one a little more. And then, yeah, Darjeeling, that was the first one where I'm like, Oh, I love okay. this. Okay, yeah. this this is feeling good. But yeah, you're right. This this stretch of four is nuts. Um, ah, and man. it's they're all first viewings for me, but they are all going in the top, top, um, the top, of, yeah, the, the very top of of my all time lists already. Um, so no, nah, and I'm with you. I'm with you 100. percent But uh, I do believe that with a 9.75 out of 10, a 98% on our tomato meter, that will conclude this episode of the Penny Bloom podcast. And if you would, head to patreon.com slash pennybloompod where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content along with all sorts of written content. Got movie reviews, book reviews, comic book reviews, all sorts of extra content for you. And I'm so very excited about And for three bucks a month, you can support this uh, this podcast financially which is huge because it costs me money and I don't make any off of it unless it's over there. So please do that. Uh, head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. Remember to leave a five-star rate and review and download wherever it is that you might be listening. That would mean the world to me. 
We will be continuing this project next week with Isle of Dogs and the French Dispatch. Couple of movies that I absolutely adore. Um, and I'm super excited about that. And we will wrap this project up, uh, the anticipatory part of it the week after that with Rushmore and Bottle Rocket. And we will officially conclude it the week after that with Asteroid City. So we're so very excited and, uh, I can't, I can't wait for you to join us and, Thank you so much. I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. Remember, peace, love, and bloom. And there are still faint glimmers of civilization left in this barbaric slaughterhouse that was once known as humanity. He was one of them. What more is there to say?